pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the the great opportunity to be in your house this morning and for a beautiful day and God, for what's already been a great time of worship and Lord, as we look into your word, speak to our hearts, God, we know, we know any time that we look into your word that you do have something for us, God, not just something that we need to hear, but that we need to do. Give us the courage to hear it and to act on it. And it's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Let's give Justin and the band a hand for a great job as always. October 23rd, 1984, a man in Southern California named Bob Trueblood got ready to go to work. He hugged his wife and kissed his three kids like he normally did, got in his car and left. The only thing Bob didn't know was that this would be the last time he would ever hug his wife or kiss his kids again. He got home from work that evening When he got home, the house was dark. No one had been home, and the family should have been home several hours before that, so he knew something was wrong. He got in his car, and he began to trace the path his wife would take, bringing the kids home from their ball games and things. And when he got about a mile away from a particular spot, there were police barricades. There had been a horrible wreck, and the policeman brought him to the scene, and his wife and kids had been hit by a drunk driver head-on. His wife and two of the kids died right there on the scene. His eight-year-old son, Kenny, was rushed to the hospital, still alive, but by the time Bob got there, he had died. Bob said that night was just 20 hours of crying. That's all it was. He said the funeral was a horror movie. Four caskets, four hearse. He said it was suffering beyond anything he'd ever imagined in his whole life. I want to begin this morning by telling you something that's extremely true and extremely painful. You are going to suffer. You're going to suffer. Some of you got enough gray head, gray hair, or you got enough balding that you've suffered. You can be pretty young and have suffered a lot too. The truth is, many of us have suffered. If you live much longer, you're going to suffer. It is a fact of life. And no doubt in a room with this many people this morning, there are people here today who are hurting, who are grieving, who are sad, who are confused. It is a part of life. I hope none of us ever have to go through the extent of what Bob Trueblood went through. But it is. It's a part of life. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 this morning, 2 Corinthians 1. We're actually going to do a little two-part series this week and next week on suffering. And next week, we're going to talk about helping other people with their pain and when they're suffering. But this morning, we're going to be talking about suffering from, from our pain and our perspective. And again, the only person that this sermon doesn't apply to is the person that's already in the graveyard. You got me? That's the only person it doesn't apply to. Verse 3 and 4 begin this passage. He says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles, 
so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. In verse 4, that word trouble there is a significant biblical word. It literally means to be broken. It means to be crushed. It means to be pressed or to be squeezed. Uh, R.C. Trench was a, a great Bible scholar, and he describes in ancient England a way that they used to try to get information out of a prisoner. They would tie you to a board, and they would put rocks on your chest to get you to confess or to share information. And they would continue to put rocks, continue to put rocks until you confessed or until you died. You can imagine what that would have been like. And the word here for troubles is literally the idea of being pressed or crushed physically. Maybe it's from a physical problem. One of the things we certainly know today is psychological issues, emotional issues, can physically bring pain and suffering into your life. That's what Paul's talking about here. God's talking about through Paul. It's the picture of an animal trying to pull a load, and it, the, the load's just too heavy, and it, and it can't do it. And, and the truth is, again today, there are some of you here this morning who are pulling a tough load. There's some of you this morning... God forbid, and I hope not, but the truth is in the next six months, things are going to come into your life that are going to be devastating. They're going to be tough. I shared with someone after the first service, about 11 or 12, well, it had to be more than 11 years ago because I was in Ruston about 10 years ago. But it must have been 13 or 14 years ago, I preached on suffering on a Sunday morning. And I remember telling them, I, I said, you know, your world may be great right now, but it can change today. That very afternoon, I got a phone call, and I went to an elderly couple's house and sat with this elderly couple as they cried. Their grandson had been killed in a car wreck that afternoon. Suffering's a part of life. And, and the thing is, sometimes we think of uh, like Paul in the New Testament is that he was a professor writing in a library about how life should be. Pa Listen, Paul was a player on the field. Listen to what else he says in verse 8 through 10. He says, we don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, listen to this, so that we even despaired of life. Indeed, in our hearts, we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God. He delivered us from such deadly peril. Listen, we, we don't know what this was. Paul probably was in Ephesus. The book of Ephesians was written to the church at Ephesus. We don't know exactly what was going on, whether Paul was having bad physical problems. We know he had some health issues. Or whether he was being persecuted or it was just life. Man, life was smothering. But here's what Paul said this morning to help you and me understand. He's not speaking with a blow pop in his mouth and he's giggling. What he's saying was, man, we, were, we felt like we were going to die. We felt like from the physical, maybe the emotional, whatever it was, it was so severe in our life, we thought we were going to die. I want to share with you a little bit more of Paul's autobiography. Towards the end of this book, in chapter 11, verse 23 through 26, look at some of the things Paul had been through. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. Listen to what he says. I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently. Wouldn't you like your pastor to brag about that? I've been in prison more than any pastor in Ruston. Yeah, I'd be fired. Uh, 
been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. You're beginning to get the picture. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes. That's the flogging, minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. That's not marijuana. That was rocks. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in open sea. They have movies about that. I've been in constant danger on the move. I've been, I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles. I've been in danger in the city, danger in the country, danger at sea, and danger from false brothers. Paul, you know, I don't know if I'd want to hang around Paul, would you? <laughs> but I'm telling you this to say, Paul's not writing you as somebody who didn't know what suffering was. And I want to tell you again, I hope you're, you understand this. Young people, I, some of you may be suffering bad today, so you do understand this. You have suffered. You may be suffering or you will suffer. How does suffering come? Suffering comes in a thousand different boxes. It's depression. It's anxiety. It's grief. It's, the, it's someone you love has let you down and hurt you. It's a bad report from the doctor. It's physical problems. It's emotional problems. It's problems with your kids. It's problems with your parents. It's getting the pink slip at work that says, we just don't need you anymore. It's your finances falling apart. The true sad truth is is that you're going to suffer Now, let me share with you something that's a whole lot better than that, and it's just as true. God cares deeply for you. God cares deeply for you. You are going to suffer. It's a part of life. But here's something that is just as true. God cares deeply for you. Look in verse 3. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to look at this verse more in a moment. It's interesting, that word praise, the biblical word we get that from is the word eulogy, to eulogize. At a funeral, we talk about eulogizing someone, speaking well of them or about them, but it doesn't just have to be a funeral word. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, man, we suffered. You're going to suffer. You're going to hurt. And if you're so cocky and arrogant that you don't think you will, boy, let me tell you, God can bring you down so fast. The devil in the world can bring you down so fast. You're going to. But here's what Paul says, man, let me speak well of God in the midst of your suffering. Let me give you two thoughts on this that are so important. Number one, God is fully aware of your pain. You know, one of the tough things about suffering is is you feel like sometimes you're not understood. Nobody really knows what you're going through. Nobody understands your hurt or your pain. A little bit of that's egocentric when we think that no one's ever suffered like we have. No one's ever gone through what we've gone through. Folks, the truth is there's billions of people on the earth, and there's been a lot of people on the earth for a long time now. Somebody has gone through what you've gone through. That doesn't mean make it any less for you today. But here's what I'm going to communicate with you. God understands every ounce of your pain. I talk to a doctor. I don't get any relief. I talk to a counselor. They help some. I talk to my pastor. He doesn't help any. What do I do? Nobody understands. I want to tell you, God is fully aware 
of every ounce of your pain. That's so great. Here's the second part of this. God wants to wrap his loving arms around you. You see, it's not just enough to care, and it's not even enough to know, but God wants to get involved in our problems. Look what it says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our pains, heartaches, and troubles. It says the father of compassion. Folks, to the Hebrew mind, and Paul was a Jewish person, a Hebrew father meant the originator, where something came from. If you're taking notes in John 8, 44, Jesus said Satan is the father of lies, the originator of lies. Way over in Genesis chapter 4, verse 21, a guy named Jabal is called the father, the originator of music. Here it says God is the father of of compassion. The word compassion means mercy or it means to have pity. Now, I think sometimes we we hear the word pity and we go, oh, that's a a girly word. That's a a sissy girly word. Even tough girls don't pity. Folks, self-pity is kind of repulsive. People who always feel sorry for themselves. But to be Have pity and mercy on other people is a great thing. Here's what it's saying here. In your struggles, in your heartaches, when you're about ready to throw in the towel, when you say, man, nobody understands what I'm going through. Why am I having to carry this load? This load's too heavy. It says God is the God who has pity on you. God is the God who has compassion on you. Isn't that wonderful? And not only mercy, it says God is the God of all, not some, but all comfort. This word comfort's a great word. It means to come beside someone or to encourage them. We get our English word comfort from a Latin word, which means to be brave together. What it's saying here is when you're suffering, when you're hurting, when you don't know how you're going to pay the bills, when you got to declare bankruptcy, when you've got to Take 11th grade over for the fourth time. Which wouldn't have been bad for me. It would have been explaining it to my parents that would have been part of the suffering. We've got a God who comes beside us. Who is called the God of compassion and the God of all comfort. Man. In chapter 7, verse 6, just a little bit over, listen to what it says. But God who comforts the downcast, the discouraged, the depressed, he, he, he comforted us by other humans, but God is the God of comfort. It's interesting in John chapter 16 when Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit coming, he used the word comforter. That's the same Greek root word used here. The Holy Spirit comes to live inside of you. Not only as a God and as God in you as a convictor, but as a comforter. Listen to Isaiah 41, 13. Listen to what this says. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Now, folks, I want to tell you, again, I, I don't know what you're going through unless you tell me. I wish I could read minds. Wouldn't that be neat? The offering plate came past you. Greg put in more money. Um, I can't. I can't read minds. I, I, don't, I can't predict the future, but I know this. I know you suffer. I know you're going to suffer. 
What a beautiful thing to know that here comes God. If you'll let him, here comes God to say, listen, I know every ounce and every inch of your pain. Not only do I know it, oh, I'm a man. Well, okay, you're, you're a man. If you hurt enough, you're going to feel like a woman. You're going you're gonna to hurt. Let me rephrase that. You're going to feel like a sissy. Is that better? And you're going to want somebody to comfort you. And the Bible says God is the God of all comfort. Now, let me give you another thing or two when our pain that we need to do. Reach out to others for help. This is hard. This is hard for a lot of us to do. Again, especially men, because we're macho. We're tough. We've been taught our whole life. You don't cry. You, you don't feel pain. And all that makes you is a psychological wreck. Now, I want to put a disclaimer in here. Reach out to the right others. Reach out to the right others. Lou Holtz is a great football coach. His, his son, Skip, is our, our head coach here at Tech. Lou's been somebody I've um, kind of idolized for years. I remember Lou, and I'm paraphrasing him. He said this years ago. Lou said, he said, don't go around telling everybody your problems. Here's why. Most people don't care. That's not even being mean. That's the truth. The next time someone asks you how you're doing, tell them. And watch their eyes roll back in their head. And they go, oh, really? Well, have a great day. And it's not a lot of times that they're mean. It's just people got a lot going. People, people don't, I'm sorry, but most people don't really care about your problems. Here's the second thing. Some people are glad you got them. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the truth. Be selective in who you share your heart with. Now, this isn't just young people because I see people my age, well, I'm young, people like me that do this. Don't get on Facebook and share all your problems. The Greek word for that is stupid. <laughs> I hate my boyfriend. He's the biggest idiot. Da, 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 da. Okay, here's what happens. And two, two weeks later, you're back in love. But everybody else hates him, Right? We hadn't got a chance to sit with him and ain't going to smooch him, but cuddle up with him. Everybody at my church is terrible. Oh, good grief. They may be, but don't put it on Facebook. Be careful about sharing your prayer requests. You know, this morning, stand up. Me and my wife are having problems. She's a real goofball. I can't get her to cook, clean, or do anything. Don't, don't do that. Who are the right other people? The right other people are people who love you. It's best if they love Jesus, too. It's, it's real good if they know how to keep their yap zipped. Amen? Do you want your problems painted on the water tower? <laughs> Share your heart. Psychologists have told us for years we need people to pour our hearts out to. It needs to be the right person. A minister, a counselor. Let, let me show you the human side of this in, in verses 5 through 7. Read these with me. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. It's human to human. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. Our hope for you is firm because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also share in our comfort. Find people that can help you share your burdens. Here's the second thing with this. Get them to pray for you. Now, this obviously needs to be someone who knows Jesus. 
But look in verse 11. What a great verse this is. And you help us by your prayers. Do you get that? Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favor granted us in answer to the prayers of many. What a great thing. He starts off and he says, you help us. That, that our English word help is, is made up of actually three Greek words that, that literally mean with and under and work. And what he's saying is, is when you're suffering, get people to walk with you who can be with you, who can undergird you, who will work with you. He says, you help us by your prayers. The word prayer literally means to ask God for a specific request. So you find people that you can say, pray for me, and you leave it at that. But then you find people you're close to that love you, that love God, and you pour your heart out to them. And you say, specifically pray for me about this issue, this issue, that issue. And the Bible says, when people who love Jesus and love you are praying with you on a problem, they are undergirding you, they are walking with you, they are laboring under that burden with you. Isn't that good? That's great if you've ever suffered. God says, find the right people. Paul knew this worked. And let them help you. Let them pray for you. Let them help you through the struggles. And, and let me give you the last big point this morning. And man, this is obviously, this is important. Know that God is trying to do at least two big things in your suffering. Now, 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 folks, God may be trying to do 50 things in your suffering. But I want to tell you, the, the, the text tells us here this morning, there's two big things that God is trying to do through your pain, even this morning. Here's the first one. He's trying to get you to be more compassionate. Okay, please don't raise your hands. Please don't point. But how many of you, well, I'll give you a generic. How many of you know people who need to be a lot nicer and a lot more compassionate? Raise your hand. Adults, raise your hand. Good grief. Cindy, my wife, raise your hand. You know, she's going to argue with me right here. That was bad. That was a joke, total joke. I'm not sure she took it as that. Sweetie, I'm sorry. Be compassionate. Be compassionate. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Look in verse 4. God who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Folks, listen. Here is a missionary ministry aspect of suffering. Why does God allow junk to happen to you? Why does God allow bad things to happen? Why do, why do sinful and rotten things happen to good people? Here's one thing. Because God's trying to get you ready to be a better minister and servant to other people. Listen, I would never pray this on anybody, but some of you are not going to be nice and compassionate until God or somebody smashes you into little pieces. And let me tell you, when you get smashed enough, your heart will be broken. 
And God wants you to love on people and be compassionate to people. And sometimes the only way that's going to happen is if you get broken. Years ago, I talked to a lady in Tennessee. I'd known her for a while, precious lady. She told me a story. She said about five years earlier, before I knew her, she had had a heart condition. And she was ill for a long time. And she said while she was sick, she could literally walk 10 steps, and then she'd have to sit down. 10 steps, sit down for three or four minutes. 10 more steps. This was back before the day of the hover round and the, you know, the three-wheeler motorcycle and all those things that the, our grandparents are getting. And she said, I got over that, but she said the strangest thing happened. Five years later, my husband developed a major lung problem. Had to have surgery, had all kinds of treatments. She said, guess what? He could walk 10 steps and he'd have to sit down. He could walk 10 steps and then he'd have to sit down. And she told me, she said, you know, before that happened, I was a nice person. And I would have been kind to my husband, but I would have been impatient with him. But she said, you know what? When I went through that myself, I want to tell you, and my husband says he's tired after 10 steps and needs to sit down. I hold his hand and we sit down, and I'm good with it. Folks, it's in the Bible for a reason. One of the things God is trying to do through your pain, or will try to do, is to get you to be a better minister to other people. I took counseling classes in undergrad, in my master's degree, in my doctor's degree. I want to tell you, where I've learned how to counsel the best is from my own suffering, from my own pain. But here's the last thing God wants to do, and this, this is bringing it all together. He's trying to get you to come to him completely. You see, here's the ultimate thing why God allows pain in our life. Verse 9 and 10, indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. Paul said, I felt like this problem was going to kill me, but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Abraham Lincoln, one of our great presidents, once said during the Civil War, he said, I was so overwhelmed often that I was driven to my knees. I had nowhere else to go but to God. Amen. Folks, let me tell you, one of the things happens in your suffering, one of the things God's trying to do in your pain is God is trying to get your attention and get you to him. You see, this morning, some of us are flirting with Jesus. And you've been flirting with him for a long time. You're lost. If you died today, you would not go to heaven. And God may allow pain in your life. That may be the only way he's going to get your attention. He may allow pain in your life to get you to repent and come to him. Some of you here this morning are Christians and you're, you're away from God. You are not anywhere where you need to be with Jesus Christ. And nothing, music, preaching, husband, wife, friends, nothing is pulling you back to God. Here's what it may take. It may take some real suffering in your life and you'll come back to God. Paul wasn't writing this as a lost person. Paul wasn't writing this as an amateur or even a backslidden Christian. Paul was writing this as a godly man who said, God is always, always, always trying to get us closer to him. Do you know that this morning? If you walked in here thinking you were as close to God as you'll ever be, you're crazy. 
Man, God is always trying to get us closer to him. Several years ago, I had a minister friend who, he was having problems in his family. He was having problems in, uh, in his church. Everything eventually worked out well, but at the time it was going, man, it was tough, tough, tough. And he was just burned out. I've been, I've been through burnout. Some of you have. You know, it's a tough time. And he said that I went to the doctor. I got on some good medicine. I was doing great. I was trusting in the medicine. I wasn't changing anything about my life. And then I had a complete emotional meltdown. He said, I went to the doctor, and I said, the medicine's not helping anymore. The doctor was a Christian. And the, and the minister friend said, I guess all I got now is God. The doctor smiled and said, that's exactly where God's been trying to get you. Now, take the medicine. See the counselor. Get all the help you can be, but understand, God wants you and wants you in love with him more than anything else. And he's going to allow that suffering sometimes to get us to him. I want to tell you the rest of that Bob Trueblood story. Bob said for the next months after his wife and kid's funeral, he said it was a blur. You just got by. You go to counseling. You barely can go to work. You barely get by. But Bob said this, I made a decision I wasn't going to blame God. He said, it wasn't God that killed my kids. It was a sinful drunk driver who killed my kids, not God. Bob said, I threw myself into my church. I got, I got people to pray for me. I let people love on me. And I made a decision, whatever was going to happen in my life, I was going to let God have me 110%. Years later, here's what happened. Bob remarried. Bob had more kids. And Bob said, as you know, you never get over the death of someone you love like that. But you learn to live positively. You learn to move forward. And Bob said, I learned to move forward. And what I found out, no matter how bad you suffer, if you'll keep your hand in God's hand, he will see you through it to the end. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, man, I want to challenge you to to find out what you need to do with God today. Whether it's to get back right with Him, if it's just to reach out and take His hand and let Him love on you. If you're not a Christian, you need Jesus. Would you pray with me where you're seated and just pray and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I want to turn from my sins. I believe you're God's son and that you died and arose for me. Jesus, come into my heart. And this morning, I give you my life. Let me have your attention just for a moment. We're going to stand. And when we do, I want you to respond to what you've heard today what God said to you today. Maybe you just asked Jesus into your heart or you're ready to do that. When we stand, will you come and talk to a minister? Will you come today and get things right with Jesus? Maybe you'd like to join the church. One way you can do that. One way when we stand, you can come and talk to a minister. We'll help you do that. Listen, you need a church. You need a church family. Come and join us this morning. You're here today and you're a Christian and you're away from God. Man, come back to God.
Don't, don't have to make him crush you to get you back to him. Come back to him this morning. Maybe you're here and you're hurting. Won't you come and pray with a minister or pray at the altar? Let us love on you and help you. Let's stand. As God leads you, you step out and respond. We'll be waiting on you this morning.